Hello, and welcome back to Heartwork, the podcast all about love, relationships, dating, and the work of the heart. My name is Tom Lloyd. I am your host, and I am just really excited to get back into it today. We have the second half of my interview with Jenny Rose, who is a good friend of mine, and it's so good. She's so good. If you haven't listened to the first part of the interview, I really suggest you do, because everything she talks about sets us up for today. This is the heart of what she has to say, and it's so juicy. I can't wait for you to hear it. Jenny has such a wealth of experience in relationships, and she's so articulate and great at talking about it. And like she talks about a lot in the first part of the interview, she is polyamorous, and that is an interesting part about her. And it's not an experience that everyone is privy to or everybody knows or everyone has had. And I think that that is awesome. And one of the coolest things that happened about this episode when we released the first part was that my mom called me everyone loves my mom she called me immediately because she was so excited about how jenny was talking about polyamory and how excited my mom was i got so excited because i've never had a conversation with her about this type of topic in this way where we could really talk about the heart of these things you know just like any son and mother or even millennial to boomer like some of these topics like polyamory open relationships open marriages non-monogamy or the gender spectrum transness all of that sometimes it doesn't we don't always meet each other we don't always get each other there's some blockages in how we're looking at it and so the conversation doesn't actually get very deep But after I was talking to my mom, I was wondering, I was like, how did she get so excited? And I was like, oh, I think there's something special about these interviews and this show because these conversations are, you know, usually ones that you just have with your close friends one-on-one, you know, you're sharing your heart. It's not, not a lot of people hear it. It's not broadcast very much. And what happens when these conversations are broadcast is amazing because what happens is that you just get to listen you get to be privy to somebody's heart and that is amazing you just get to listen you might not ever be privy to conversations like this either because you're not around people like this or maybe because of the way that you're looking at something or thinking about something you're not ever actually allowing the person to open up or go to the place that you could go with the heart and so what's exciting about these interviews to me is that you you actually just get to listen and you get to listen to someone's perspective and furthermore you don't get to butt in you don't get to give your opinion you don't get to stop the conversation it just keeps going we go to the heart and hopefully you can see that maybe just because somebody doesn't have the same type of relationship as you or do the same thing as you that there is love that there there is heart there and there's maybe even things that you recognize about love that help you about love that make you see things about love and make you accept something about yourself or about love and that is exciting to me so without further ado here is the second half of my interview with jenny rose let's get into it Let's tie it back into the beginning. What, how does acceptance come in, and polyamory come into your life? Like, 
<laughs> like that's juicy like what what about since we're on this we've been on this theme of acceptance like how how well one of the things i told evan is that i think that if he were feeling fully accepted that he would have his boyfriend come over more <laughs> ah yes because he has a boyfriend right so yes so um i think acceptance is really it's just so it's so in there it's so juicy mm -hmm. and does that mean that you have to accept evan more or evan's boyfriend more yeah so one of the things i've been feeling ever since we started the social distancing is this a lot of gratitude and appreciation for evan's boyfriend steven steven's wonderful but he and i have sort of personalities that don't mesh super well okay. um and one of the things i learned i realized recently which like i actually uncharitably at one point thought that he would be intentionally trying to antagonize me <laughs> but okay. um but actually what i realized was that he's a very like loving and accommodating person that wants to share his feelings of loving stability and I actually have trouble accepting that kind of love. I have trouble accepting someone that wants to be accommodating with me because I, it triggers all kinds of feelings. I feel like I'm not, I don't trust that person. I feel like I um, can't let my guard down with that person. I, I don't want to always get in my way. I want to be challenged. And um, so I started to feel these negative emotions towards Stephen, where I didn't trust him. I didn't want to be around him because I just felt uncomfortable. But it wasn't really because of him. It was because of me. And I think that as I go through this process of self-acceptance, that it might, uh, it might help me open up to different types of love what your mom talked about on the podcast about getting gifts from people that she didn't like the gifts. I feel uh -huh. like it's kind of like that. Like Stephen will give gifts of love in the way, in his way of being accommodating that I, you know, have trouble accepting and kind of don't want and don't like. And um, yeah, they actually enrich our relationship a lot. Um, and, and Evan benefits so much from Stephen and Stephen benefits from Evan and they have a beautiful connection. And I feel so grateful that Stephen's there for Evan during this time um, because I'm a total crazy person. So Evan needs some stability and, and he has it. And I think that it's wonderful and I don't know, and I have struggled with it, but, but I think that, you know, acceptance is really just at the heart of all of it. And I also have to keep accepting my own limitations and my own needs and being open with Evan about them and others, because if my needs aren't met, I'm more likely to be uncomfortable or jealous or having difficulty accepting other relationships. But when my needs are met, then I don't need to worry, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So that means that I have to accept my own limitations and just share about them and not close parts of myself off and be like, okay, well, I'm not going to get my needs met and I just have to deal with this thing and not like it, mm -hmm. you know, which is something that I've felt in the past and I, I'm not feeling now because I'm forced to be open. <laughs> Mm hmm. What would you say? This could be wrong. Maybe I could be right. But maybe some people are looking at it's like, okay, you're dating this guy and this guy is dating another guy, right? Mm -hmm. You're not dating the other guy. You're just dating this one guy, right? Right. Some people might look at that and say, oh, she's not loving herself enough to get a quote unquote real relationship like a one on one somebody who's fully committed to her. What would you say to that? 
I don't really see it that way at all. First of all, like um, I don't either. I'm just looking at. Do you, I don't. Yeah. I, do, I want to no, be clear, right. but I want to because I feel like it's such an interesting dynamic. I want people to understand where you're at with it. Something that's come up on your podcast before is the concept of making a list of qualities that you're looking for in another person, uh-huh. and. I do that. And I did that prior to meeting Evan, I made a list. And Uh one of the things on the list was that they, you know, were polyamorous and open to other partners and, you know, and that they were able to have, you know, these kind of loving relationships with more than one person at once. And I think of that as being this enormous strength and quality in a person that, you know, it's so difficult to really balance the needs of not just yourself, but other people too. And um, I think Evan's a superstar at it. And I think that that's amazing. And that's like exactly what I want to, that's the kind of person I want to be with. And um, I want to be that way too. And I do think, you know, the world has changed so much, like so quickly, the world just changes and changes and changes. And I feel like there's this unrealistic expectation that you're supposed to get, you know, all the socialization that you need from just your little, little nuclear family of one, two people and maybe kids and, you know, and it's really weird. Like we're all cut off from each other. And yet there's also the maxim of it takes a village. And we're talking about these maxims that we hear, but we don't really understand what they mean. Uh-huh. And I think that the more love that you have in your life and the more heart to heart connections you have, the more ability you have to adapt to change and the more flexibility you have and the more cushion, you know, and it's more than just what you two can handle. Like right now, it's a great example. You know, I'm, I'm socially isolating and feeling so much anxiety and really asking a lot of Evan a lot of of him in terms of support and I want to give that support back to him but sometimes I don't feel like I have it and Stephen's available to do that and sometimes Stephen might be going through things and Evan might have to give him a lot of support and I can give Evan that support back or Evan's going through something and now he's Mm. got two people to give him support and that means that he's likely to bounce back more and if I reach out to a friend or a romantic connection in a way that I get a lot of support from. Evan supports that and doesn't feel jealous. If I'm still talking to somebody that I've had a sexual relationship with or still do have a relationship with, you know, he doesn't feel threatened by that. He encourages it because he knows that it's actually supporting us both. So that's how I I feel like it's a long answer to that question, but it's what I I want. (laughs) I love the answer. I feel like you really illustrate how love, um, the economy of love is what mm-hmm. you're talking about, how, you know, it, that potentially, you know, it doesn't always have to work like this, but opening, if you have a lot of love to give, it can exist in different ways. Mm-hmm. This one relationship model doesn't have to work. It can work. And there's maybe one, there's maybe different even uh, tactics mm-hmm. of, of working in that type of relationship. But mm-hmm. with what you're talking about, there's different tactics. And mm-hmm. it, it seems like love is accounted for in all three of your lives mm-hmm. and beyond. And, and you're being really upfront about what it is that you need and want and it seems like everybody else is too and it seems at least from what I'm hearing that it's really it's working out for you one thing that I want to like mention is that if there is a toxic relationship if somebody in that circle is in an abusive relationship or Uh 
a, you know, a toxic relationship, that has ripple effects throughout the whole community. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, it's really can be very destructive. And so I think that it takes a lot to each, you know, have to be mindful that you yourself are, you know, you're not just accountable to you, that you're, if I went and started dating somebody that was abusive to me, that I know that that would affect Evan and that would affect Steven and that would affect, you know, and the truth is it's not just our romantic partners. If I was dating someone that was abusive to me, it would affect my parents. It would affect my Uh sister. It would affect my friends. It would affect my job. It would put people's lives at risk. Right. So it kind of makes you more aware of that sort of accountability Mm -hmm. in your relationships. Um, Or how love is just moving through people. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I had, I mean, I had a boss once it's like whenever he would have relationship problems, we would all feel it. Right. We would all feel it. It was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. something's going on with a girl because we're all under fire today. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was, it had nothing to do with the business. It was what was happening in this love life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel that as well. I love uh, all the things that you're talking about, Jenny. (laughs) Um, I think it's interesting when I asked you about acceptance in polyamorous, you really went into the internal dynamics of polyamory, which I love Mm -hmm. about that, except like the, except the heart level acceptance. How do you deal with being polyamorous in the bigger world? and accepting that? You know, I have never really thought too much about what other people think about me, except for when it comes to my professional image. And um, I, you know, I don't really care how we're perceived. I like it when we go out and the three of us are all holding hands. I like, uh-huh. you know, I don't feel like, and, and, you know, we're living in Southern California, so we're not getting a lot of violence or pushback or anything like that. Um, I think that Evan and Steven's relationship is really super beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, th- and then at work, you know, I feel like I talk about my relationships the way anyone else would talk about their relationships at work. You know, not like super oversharing, but I, I'm totally fine with saying my boyfriend and my boyfriend's boyfriend or whatever, and that doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Um, it's not one of the things that I feel weird about. I don't know if I'm answering your question. I think you're answering it. Absolutely you are. Like, what does it mean in the greater world? Like, I know that we're not doing what everyone else is necessarily doing, but I think, like we said, more and more people are doing this, and especially in the queer mm-hmm. community. And, you know, we're both bisexual, and um, so a lot of people in the queer community have non-traditional relationship structures. I f- agree with that. Okay, here, I'm going to bring it back to the beginning then, maybe, which mm-hmm. is how do you deal with all of this in the spiritual landscape you talked about you know me being it inspired you when I came out in Ekankar mm-hmm. and and I'll admit there weren't that many people that were out at the moment and I thought it was weird mm-hmm. I was like this would be accepted in this teaching there's nothing mm-hmm. that's saying that it won't be accepted but I wonder why I don't see it in the community Mm-hmm. because it's such a loving community mm-hmm. um and i wonder because i feel like this is a, an important part of both of our lives it kind yeah. of has been and we've had we've had our own story with it but i feel like you know it's an important part of our lives so i wonder because also there is quite a bit of love in the spiritual arena of life too right this is why mm-hmm. this is like this is why spiritual teachings exist whether people are doing that or not it's like at the heart of it, really, it's all, it should be about love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if there's anything to say there. 
Oh man, I have so much to say there. I think you've heard <laughs> you've heard me talk about this a lot. And I guess it's great when we have long conversations and we really get into the, the meat of it is that life is not all like flowers and sunshine and happiness and petals and whatever. It sure isn't. <laughs> and like, I've been through some shit, like some real ass shit. <laughs> I've Same. been through some shit and I know you Same. have. And I felt in the act community, a lot of pressure to present things in the most possible positive light. Like, um, I felt like, you know, we always had to talk about what was the spiritual lesson we got out of it. We had to talk about um, sort of why this difficult situation was actually for the best and serving us. And when you're actively going through those things, it's not always easy to see that way. And I wanted to not have to have the answers already. I wanted to figure it out in the context of my spiritual, you know, maybe I wanted a spiritual advisor to tell me, hey, this is the spiritual lesson. I didn't want to say, here's the spiritual lesson that I just learned. I wanted to say, here's the shit I'm going through. Help me with it. Yes. One hundred percent. And one hundred percent. And I felt like I was sort of alone in saying those things. And and then when you came out, I was like, okay, this is somebody that gets it. He knows. Especially when I realized that you must have been out for a long time before you came out in Ekankar. And so therefore you must have felt the same way. Right. You must have felt like you weren't able to come out in a car until it was something that was shiny and positive and happy for you. And that meanwhile, you probably went through all the struggles by yourself outside of your spiritual community. And that's the opposite of what a spiritual community is supposed to do. I think we're supposed to be there to support you the whole way. We anyway. are. And I want to just before that's not why I didn't come out, though. The I'm reason the reason I didn't come out for as long as I did is we, was because. I could not tell my parents. I feel like I had come out to pretty much everyone. Some people start with their parents. That was the last person people mm -hmm. I told because oftentimes the people that we love the most, it's the hardest to tell these things to mm -hmm. because what if they don't love us? Even though I knew my parents would love me, their, mm -hmm. from my perspective at the time, their outlook was not the best mm -hmm. about gay people, even though I knew it was going to change. Part of that was mm -hmm. like, that was part of it. I was like, I don't want you to change. I want you to just be awesome people. And so why I didn't tell the ec community was because I knew once I told anyone in the ec community, everyone was going to know and that right. my parents were going to hear secondhand yeah. and that they deserved better mm -hmm. than that. Um, and so I didn't tell people until after I had told them. So that's why, because I feel like they deserve the respect of me coming to tell them that firsthand that's so interesting and uh so then eventually i did i did start opening up that space um for myself and i did see a couple of others but i i am with you that you know that that a, a real spiritual community i think does see every side of a person and accepts every side of who that person is and i feel like sometimes especially in the context of being gay and queer within Ekankar, that space just isn't being shared mm -hmm. that part of the heart isn't being shared and so it's not available but as soon as you open it up you see like 10 people come to you and be like thank you so much for opening up that space and that happened that totally that happened that totally happened and, and i think I, it is now there now 
it is there now and i mean i was getting urged from within Mm -hmm. myself to share it also and it is it is more and more prevalent in the community but i feel like this is what we have to do in the real world too it's like we have to step up like one and that's part of like maybe why i'm interested in this podcast too is to open up these spaces of the heart that exist because once Mm -hmm. we're honest about them Mm -hmm. and we share them then there's like 10 people who are like yeah me too Mm -hmm. like thank you absolutely absolutely I've felt that listening to all three of the episodes before this one. Like, yeah, me too. And yeah. I'm so glad to hear that out there in the world. We all need it. Okay. So I think I know the answer to this, but have you been in love in your oh, life? Yes, definitely because, lots of time. I mean, you're polyamorous. I feel like my first image of you, which is this person who has so much love to give, is like reflected in your personal life. Like it goes beyond. Of course you've been in love. But what does it feel like? That's the part that I want to talk about. Please, I love this. So when I am in love with somebody, I feel like our hearts are connected and my center of gravity is somewhere in, in between in that connection between our hearts. So it's like in between me and the person. It's outside of me. Um, my Which is interesting if you're like having on the floor. I love this. When you're having multiple relationships and your center of gravity is outside and you know in multiple places in between, right? But so um yeah, so that's it feels like my center of gravity is in between me and that person, and that keeping that relationship in balance is the most important thing in the world. It's the most important thing in my life because that feeds out to everything. That if the relationship is in balance, then my life is in balance and then my job is in balance and my house is in balance and everything is balanced. Um, And if the relationship is out of balance, it's like an emergency. Like I need to fix that balance in that relationship first because everything else will fall apart. And I think that that is interesting too when, you know, sometimes you can't restore the balance in a relationship while you're staying in the relationship. Mm-hmm. that sometimes people need a lot of space from each other or you need to stop being in love with a person and have it transition to just loving the person where you can love them, whatever they're doing at a distance, no matter how out of balance they are. But uh-huh. your center of gravity is back inside your own chest instead of out there being affected by how out of balance the other person is. But anyway, I, I wanted to really talk about that, how when I'm in love, I feel like my center of gravity is outside of my body and it's in that connection and the most important thing for me is partnership and basically that means like having that those heart-to-heart connections that are lifelong and are in balance and that everything feeds out from there um so yeah it's hard with polyamory but what do you what do you want to say about it i love that I thought it was so interesting listening to Anita's answer and how I, like how different mine feels, but yet at the same time, when I'm in love, Peace I can't is like help. balance though. Her answer is that it feels peaceful. Well, the thing is that I can't, no, her answer wasn't that it feels peaceful. Her answer is that her, she felt unapologetically herself. And peaceful. She said and her first pe- answer was peace. It feels like peace. And that, I was like, I guess what? That's true. But peace to me is also part of that is balance. For me, when I am in love, I can't help but be myself. And that doesn't mean I'm not apologetic about it. I might be super uh-huh. apologetic. Maybe that's my lack of self-acceptance that I'm apologizing mm. for who I am. Yes. But I will be out there fully me in that relationship and so vulnerable. And if mm. I can't be that way, then I won't be in love with that person. Mm-hmm. See, um, I don't think that's everybody's experience. I, I think, think a lot right. of people hold back. I mean, I think that... It's like, it's weird. It's like, I almost You're a like, bold lover. You're a bold lover. And it's that's like, why- I'll try to hold back and I can't. 
Like it just falls out of me. Like I'll just start to cry. You know, when I'm by myself, I can hold it in. And then as soon as Evan walks in the door, that's when it all comes out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I love this image that your center of gravity is outside of yourself. For a long time, I felt very self-critical about that. I felt like it's really important for me to be independent. And that means my center of gravity had to be in me all the time. And what I... Actually, what manifested when that was the case was that I was very selfish in relationships. Interesting. You know, even in polyamorous person, relationships. Absolutely, definitely, even more so because wow. what I was, you know, in order for me to manage three, four relationships at once, I was keeping my center of gravity in the middle of me, which meant that everybody else is doing what I wanted. <laughs> and you were and, taking care of a lot of people too, if I recall. I was right? taking care of them, but you had like all these people staying at your house. I feel like, right? Yeah, we were taking care of each other. Yeah. Um, but you were kind of like mama a little bit. No, I was like dad. You were like, <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely like daddy. Yes, little daddy. <laughs> I was daddy. <laughs> Daniela <it>. was mama. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I was daddy. But um, anyway, I think that what I what, I was being a selfish lover though, because I I realized that other people's center of gravity was on me. So if I wasn't wow. in balance, it was affecting them. They were feeding into me. And it was, you know, as long as I was being giving as much as they needed, then it was great. But if I stopped having as much as they needed to give that to them, then they would fall apart because their center of gravity was on me because I was being this sort of like selfish thing that I didn't realize that that was, first of all, what I was doing. And second of all, that 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 was bad at the time because I felt like that was the way that I could have multiple relationships and keep my center of gravity was keep, you know, it inside myself. And I think that really to have true balance, it has to be in the middle. Okay. How I'm so interested in this. How did you get it out of yourself? Like, how do we get there? I don't know. It's a better question asking how did I get it into myself? Because when I fall in love with somebody, it's out of me right away. Right. Interesting. And then I would shut those feelings down and say, That's not okay. It's not okay for me to have my center of gravity outside of myself. I'm going to, you know, that's irresponsible. I thought that that was, you know, I needed to be self-sufficient. I needed to take care of me. I couldn't be relying on somebody else. And instead, so then I would end up in relationships with people that couldn't take care of me because I wasn't valuing that ability, right? Mm -hmm. And I would end up in relationships with people that, uh, I guess, like, were willing to I, I want to say selflessly, but they were willing to selflessly sort of give it all to me and trust me maybe full-heartedly, like without, without checking that and making sure it was okay with themselves and that they were actually getting everything they needed. And then I was blaming them when they weren't getting what they needed because I felt like they should have like made sure before they just like trusted me to give them everything they needed. And it wasn't my responsibility to take care of them. And, you know, Uh so there's, there was a lot of times where my relationships were way out of balance because I would see that my heart to heart connection meant that it was in the middle of me and the person. And then I would pull it back to myself, into myself. And first they would let it and then they would sever it. And then I would feel abandoned. Wow. And then I had this, all these times where I was abandoned and I, you know, now I see kind of what I was doing wrong, but that doesn't mean it's easy to fix it. So it's been a journey. Wow. Um, But yeah, but I think I've had to stop getting in the way of that process that feels natural to me. Of Like when I fall in love with somebody that, you know, it's about keeping our 
us balanced, not just me balanced. I can't just expect that the relationship will stay balanced if I'm balanced. I have to keep us balanced. And sometimes that means, you know. Or we have to keep way. each other balanced. We have to keep each other balanced. That's even right? better. Right? I can't say I have to keep us balanced. Yeah, because we it's not just about you. It's, it's exactly. really the love. See, is... I still have these things. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's hard. It's like, but it's, it's about two people caring for the one entity. Mm -hmm. And sometimes right? three people. And sometimes people, three right? people, four people are caring, caring for all the different relationships. Exactly. Right? And so if I'm like being toxic towards Evan and Steven's relationship, that's not great, right? That, that's getting their, that out of balance. I have to be feeding it too. And that isn't always easy, but it's really valuable. Like it's really worthwhile. It's really great. Wow. It just feels like the ultimate vulnerability. Your heart's just yes. like out there. That's totally it's how being in love feels to me. Out, your heart is out there and mm -hmm. you, you, it feels like ultimate surrender. I think that there's been times way. where like somebody that I was in love with, you know, when my heart was out there and then they left me and your heart's still out there, right? It doesn't just immediately snap back into your chest. Yeah. And I had to go through that process of transitioning that in love with that person feeling into just loving them uh -huh. and not still being in love with them in order to get my balance back. Oh my God. Because so my many... heart was just out there, you know, Your they heart... were doing their thing. Yeah. Well, what do you do with that? Because I feel like so many, I feel like this is, oh God, maybe this doesn't need to be two parts. I feel like <laughs> this is why, why so many people don't love in the first place. Mm-hmm is because they're scared. They have this smaller, safer version of something mm -hmm. and they're not, because they're not willing to put their heart out there because what happens is exactly what you just talked about mm -hmm. is it's not reciprocated. They've been vulnerable. Somebody cuts the cord and then their heart's like out there on the road. Someone drives over it and they're like right. with a fish hook, like driving the shriveled part back into themselves and it's broken. And then they have to like, get all these doctors to do CPR and open heart surgery and all this stuff. And it hurts, which is why they don't put themselves out there. So what do you do? Like, how do you? Well, I like that you said doctors, because I think that's so true. There's doctors for that. I'm in therapy. Yes, <laughs> <And I'm>... therapy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I have a doctor therapy. for the broken heart dealing with all of the little scars that I have from, and big scars from, having that happen when my heart was out there and it got broken or when, you know, I broke somebody else's heart and I feel guilty for it or, you know, all of these things that happen from this process of our hearts being out there in the world, um, where there's doctors for that and I recommend them. <laughs> but <laughs> this, I mean, it, it goes, it goes right back to your point though, which is that you also have to put your heart back into somebody else's, like, it's not just you. You, you can't always do this all by yourself. I think that it's like um Riz, Riz, yeah. Riz, Riz said that this pandemic is showing us that um that we need each other and yes. that you know that humans need that human connection, and I think mm -hmm. that that's really really true. And I feel like that's something that I've always known for me is that I need human connection. I need it. I'm an extrovert. It's very feeds me to be connected with people and. Um, it's always been one of the most important things. And, and in this time in my life, it's absolutely the most important thing to nurture the connections that I have 
whether it's my relationships, my friendships, my family. I've done a lot of work with nurturing my family relationships because if we just keep our hearts in our own chests and never let them out, it's lonely in there. And maybe, you know, maybe that works for some people. It doesn't work for me. I'm not one of those people that is okay with that. And, you know, and it's scary to put your heart out there. But I think when I, I want to go back to what I said before about when there's an abusive relationship and how destructive that is all around, uh-huh. that to learn to be very, very discerning about where you let your heart go. Yes. I, um, oh my God. The more I go along, do I learn this? It's so important. Yes, because if you allow yourself to put your heart in a circumstance that it's, you know isn't good for it, that's not on only you. you're that's on you yeah you're not not only are you going to suffer the consequences but everyone in your heart network is going to suffer those consequences and just because a heart to heart connection with somebody that's bad for you isn't a good idea doesn't mean that that person is a bad person you know having connections with every single person isn't always good even if those are good people does that make sense that makes like total i can sense. i can say like this person's a great person but when my heart is in between me and them that's not working. Yeah. The next question, I, you, I think maybe you just answered it, but maybe you could say a little bit more, is that I feel like in our, in our teachings where we come from, self-responsibility is like so huge. Yes. And I feel like it's probably why you had that outlook that you, it's all about mm-hmm. you. Like you have to be responsible for your heart and stuff because- no, I got a lot of good out of that, but I also- didn't. Well, yeah, I feel like self-responsibility is really key because doing the work, I think, is really important. And I don't, I think not everybody is willing to do the work, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people don't even know what the work looks like. Mm-hmm. It was smacking them right in the head. Um, and that's what self-responsibility is about, I feel like. So, but I think what's interesting that you're bringing up is, is to also kind of like surrender yourself to others mm-hmm. and to, to allow others to come in and by doing what, and part of that is being vulnerable with your heart and giving it out there. So mm-hmm. how do you manage self-responsibility and like the sense of individuality with giving your heart over? I think it's important for me personally to make sure that the people that I'm giving my heart over to also value self-responsibility a lot. And it's been actually hard for me to like let go a little bit in that way, because even for people that value self-responsibility a lot, they might not always do it the way I think they should, right? Uh-huh. And so I've had to like let go a little bit and let them manage their own idea of what self-responsibility is for them, rather than saying, this is how I need you to take self-responsibility, because that's not really you know great. But, um, but that's been a little tough for me is actually letting that go because I think it's super important that anyone that I'm giving my heart over to has that sense of accountability and self-responsibility. And I've definitely ended connections with people that I felt like were not willing to take self-responsibility for their circumstances. Um, and I've had some really jarring interactions. I remember one time somebody that I was as close to as family told me that basically they thought that other people were to blame for their circumstances and that made it okay for them to take advantage of others because they, you know, were owed it because other people were to blame for their circumstances. And to me, you know, I teach and in my classes, in my first day of class and in my syllabus, I say like, respect is not about, it's not earned. Respect is a characteristic of the person giving respect. 
I need to be a respectful person. I, I expect every person in my class to be a respectful person. If you don't treat someone else with respect, that's on you. Oh my that God, is I'm not chills in my body. I'm like getting chills in my body. I love it. And I, I say this to my classes. It's like, that is not about, the, the other person doesn't have to earn your respect, right? You don't wait until somebody earns your respect to give them respect because that just makes you a disrespectful asshole, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what someone else does to us or how bad we feel because of someone else's actions, that doesn't give us permission to then be, you know, manipulative or take advantage or steal or lie or cheat. Because if we did those things, then that would make us cheaters, liars, manipulators, and thieves. It doesn't matter what our reason for it is. It's not okay. And I need partners to believe that too, to feel that too. Wow. Because I'm not going to accept blame for someone else's actions ever. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I feel like that that's a great understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you have high expect high standards of what of a on a lover. One thing of, Evan's of like, teaching me. Uh huh. Evan's teaching me a lot about when you said that we have to take care of each other. Evan's teaching me a lot about that because I can sit here and say I won't take blame for someone else's actions, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that I can't help. It doesn't mean that together we wouldn't be better than we would be separately. So I can't just say that's your problem. Go deal with it yourself. And when I have said that, and I have said that to him, (laughs) um, you know, he understandably gets really upset because that's actually not okay either. Because if we have that heart to heart connection, you know, his problems are our problem and his actions reflect on us and my actions reflect on us. And I can't just be like, okay, you deal with that alone. And I'm, I want you to close that part off for me. No, no, no. (laughs) Uh So we're helping each other learn about how to care for each other. And that doesn't mean that it's okay for him to blame me for his actions or for me to blame him for my actions, but it is okay for him to expect me to support him. And that's something that I didn't really know before, which sounds Mm. crazy, but I didn't really know it was okay for my partners to expect my support, but it actually really, really is. I think it's a beautiful thing to recognize Mm -hmm. that, yeah, that both of your problems are both of your problems. Totally. When you're dealing with love. Mm -hmm. And it also, I feel like it brings up when you're dating someone, what is it that you're willing to deal with? Right. And you take on this person's problems. Mm-hmm. Are you in a space where you're strong enough to deal with their problems? Right. Or and if you're their... going to say they have to do with it themselves, then what kind of partner are you? Right. Or are they, are they, are they in a space where they're, conf- even though whatever their problems might be difficult, look like X, Y, Z, are they in a space where they seem like they're healthy dealing with the stuff that's mm-hmm. coming at them? Are you, do you feel like not only could they benefit you, but you can benefit them with what yeah. they're dealing with? I've had partners that, you know, felt like, you know, they, they shared my previous perspective on self-responsibility and they felt like their problems were their own to deal with and they didn't want my help or anything. And I felt like that was almost worse in a way. It was like their problems, yeah, they might be their own, but they're affecting me and I can't do anything about it. I'm powerless because they won't accept my help. And I think that that helped me see Evan's point and realize that he was totally right. But um, yeah, like that being closed off and unwilling to accept love is hurtful, not just for yourself where you don't get the love, but it also hurts the person you're not accepting the love from, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Maybe we've all been in circumstances where we felt like the person we loved wasn't willing to accept our love. Totally. Yep. I feel like a thing that you're bringing up that I think is interesting to me is one thing that I've been dealing with, I feel like, especially in like work and volunteering and service in my life is drawing very clear boundaries between people mm-hmm. about what's mine and what's yours. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I do have a big heart and mm-hmm. I feel like it's so easy for me to give and it's so mm-hmm. easy for me to get, to get caught up in giving. Right. And I feel like a lot of people take advantage of, like, let's be honest, that labor like mm-hmm. of, of my love. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like a thing that has been coming up for me is being really clear about the boundaries of what like, I'm getting paid to do. Mm-hmm. And, and being like, this is my job. This mm-hmm. is my little kingdom that you mm-hmm. have outlined for me of what I'm paying you to do. Right. And, and I am going to let you know that. I'm going to reaffirm what you have stated is my responsibility. And I am not going to take on anything else. Oh, my I'm God. Gonna this try is my, I'm going to try my best to not take on that for anybody else. And I'm going to empower everyone else to do that as well. But I will still go beyond where I have, but I'm going to let you know when I'm going beyond. I love that you brought up your job because Uh I want to, I think a lot about what I call transactional relationships Uh where it's like, almost like there's a contract. Like here's the, here's how much I'm going to pay you. And here's the expectation of what, um, you know, I need from you. Uh And in my life, I've really, really loved those kinds of transactional relationships. Uh Like I want to know, you know, this is what I'm giving, this is what I'll tell you, this is what I'm willing to give, and this is, you know, what I'm not, and here's what I'm willing going to get, and all that. And when it comes to being in love, that, that doesn't work. But I think that it's, it's different, you know, to have these other relationships that are not being in love, where, mm-hmm. Even you know, though you might feel passionate based. about what you might you're doing. You might feel passion, right? Yeah, you might love mm-hmm. what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? But, keep going. But there's a transactionalness to it. Like you have, you know, your your responsibility ends where the contract ends, right? Like where the, that, th- those can, things can get overlapped. Go ahead. Maybe I can tie that back into it is that we maybe need these contractual types of relationships sometimes to keep our personal life in balance yes. so that we can agree to certain contracts of service so that we mm-hmm. have enough energy to go back because we have other areas of our life which we have to give time and energy. And so I don't know, that, that's part of what I'm getting is that I just need to stop my service over here sometimes mm-hmm. by the terms of the contract so mm-hmm. that I can go home to my lover. I can go yes. home to my home because that my heart is there. I need to be able to go put my energy into that and I can't have you keep sucking because I will give it over here mm-hmm. too. I, don't I know. think that, that sometimes sexual relationships can be transactional and that that can be good. And some people really don't think that that can be good, but I think uh-huh. it can be that, um, you know, you mentioned in the beginning that you've had lovers that were like, okay, if you're not getting your needs met with me, go get it with someone else, right? Mm-hmm. Some people can handle that transactionally. They can have a friend with benefits where they have very clear expectations and it's not going to go further than those expectations. And I think that, Which I love that. that, I love that can be really healthy. I love it too. Yeah. I think that like, you know, not every relationship or connection or, you know, job or whatever has to have your heart outside of your body. Um, I agree. And that's, yeah, it's okay. As long as everybody's on the same page. <laughs> hmm. I love that actually. I love it when I run into a guy who are who is mm-hmm. like, I have a husband. This is what we can do. This mm-hmm. is how we can do it. 
these are mm -hmm. like the types of areas we can go and explore and mm -hmm. here's the room do you want to come into it with me and i'm like right. yep <laughs> yep and then you can leave the room and then and i can leave bad. the room and not feel bad and i don't love it I my, love emo it too. my emotions my mind my body doesn't go anywhere beyond mm -hmm. that space and we've had a really good time mm -hmm. and, a, and even a, a loving connection mm -hmm. so i love that i think it's important so on this list of 30 things I wanted to learn from you, um, numbers nine and 10 mm -hmm. were both the word warmth. I said warmth 101 and warmth 102. Wow. And I felt like Tom Lloyd could teach a class on warmth and I wanted to be in that class. Yeah. So I'll, I'll turf that to you. What do you want to say about warmth? I feel like that's how love feels to me, nice. is warmth. Mm -hmm. It feels warm. And when it's really good for me, it feels, my heart feels on fire. Yeah. Like yes. I love, and I yeah. feel like it's like tending a fire. It's like putting yeah. logs on a fire. Like love should feel, I'm like a fire sign also. I'm a leader. So <laughs> of course it should feel like a fire. Mm -hmm. um, maybe yeah, a water sign would say yeah. it feels like a river or an ocean or something. But to me, it feels like fire. And so warmth is important to me. I don't know. I think it just, I feel like I, you know, I got into a, a little bit of a dark place this past summer where the love almost went out. Like the fire was like the, the small blue <laughs> things at the end of a campfire or something like that. Apparently and that's really hot. What? It <laughs> is really, okay, well, yeah, maybe it, it is really hot. I mean, it is hot, but it, like it felt like it was about to go out. It was just about to be like embers, which, okay, <laughs> embers is also a deep fire, but Mm -hmm. I think what's important is if the fire, you can keep a fire going strong and hot and roaring for as long as you want, mm -hmm. but you have to figure out, I feel like you have to tend, this is my long way around how do you get to warmth, is that you have to keep the fire burning. Mm -hmm. So you have to put on metaphorical logs mm -hmm. into your heart mm -hmm. and you have to be honest if your love is dwindling mm -hmm. and you know when it's dwindling totally and you have to figure out okay how do i go into this how do i put a log on the fire here in this area of my life mm -hmm. you know i remember being at this job and i was losing it i was like losing the passion for it and my boss was like okay you have to stop working right now mm -hmm. and you have to go out and like breathe some air go do whatever it is so that you are reignited that's amazing so, that you had a boss that was that yeah but tune. i was so pissed at him because i was like no i need to write more emails i need to do this stuff i'm so behind blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> but he tuned into what mm -hmm. was exciting about me working there he was like mm -hmm. no i can't have you here mm -hmm. unless you're on fire right because your fire gives so much i think is basically what he was saying Mm -hmm. like the way that you write that email will be a hundred times more effective for me if your heart is on fire i hope you don't cut this out because people need to hear this well i think it's true but i, I couldn't recognize it in the stuff i was like <laughs> oh my god he's gonna be he's gonna berate me because i didn't get these emails done so i just need to get the emails done and i was just like overworking mm -hmm. but i think that this is the key to warmth to me i notice that when i'm not in love with my life mm -hmm. in some way i start getting cold i start getting short i start getting mm -hmm. flippant i start getting grouchy mm -hmm. so i have to fan the fire of love within myself there's mm -hmm. something that i have to do sometimes it's self-love sometimes it's this sometimes it's taking a break from whatever i'm doing and like just going on a road trip or something or going wh wherever it is i like or mm -hmm. and i feel like it's also 
understanding that you have like you and being polyamorous there are many fires of my heart Mm -hmm. there are many things that keep love in my life going Mm -hmm. and it's a juggling act sometimes Mm -hmm. like keeping the balance between all of the fires sometimes the fire is going out over here sometimes it's going out over there and i need to you know sometimes it's not about putting fires out it's about keeping fires lit so how do you really go and pay attention to those fires take the Mm -hmm. time stop being so busy Mm -hmm. in your life and go and and put the log on the fire because i feel like that's that's to me the key to warmth i think this podcast is like almost like the master class on warmth that i've been wanting from tom lloyd when i maybe it is you you embody warmth and that's what i think of when i think of you it's like this just warm love and that's such an amazing compliment balanced i feel like it's so balanced and so i am really thank you thank you so much for everything that you shared jenny it's incredible thank you it's such a wealth this is incredible of love and it's such an important perspective so thank you for like bringing it a hundred and thousand ten percent it's such a joy um you're the best you're the best i'm pointing to you're the best yeah you're the best (laughs) you inspire each other all right love hearts and all of it bye so now you have heard the whole interview with jenny she is incredible right she's absolutely incredible i am like forever blown away by her i think she's probably gonna have to come back on the show because she's i just can't get enough um i hope you got some amazing pearls of wisdom from her i know i have like so much i'll share them with you in a second but i always encourage you to get your own insights get your own takeaways because whatever is lighting up in your own ears is exactly what's for you here are my takeaways though in case you want to hear them number one where is the center of gravity for your heart is it inside you is it outside you is it in between two people is it between multiple people i think this image it had my jaw on the floor i can't stop thinking about it i feel like it changed my life where is the center of your heart's gravity number two love flows through people when i listen to jenny she illustrates to me how love moves it moves through people no matter what it moves through our friends through our families through our partners through our lovers through everything we can do a lot by spreading love in the world number three toxicity and negativity also flow through people if you are bringing something toxic into your life it is gonna affect your relationships your network of hearts it makes me question how can we act with such integrity that we are conscious and aware of the vibration negative or positive that we're bringing into our lives in our relationships knowing that something that we choose or bring into our lives is going to affect all the people around us i'm just absolutely blown away by that concept love moves through people so does toxicity number four there are different tactics for different kinds of relationships love flows through people but it's going to flow through people in a different way like water flows through different rivers in different ways the way love flows through a monogamous marriage is going to be a lot different than an open marriage which is going to be a lot different than a polyamorous situation 
love moves, it has an economy to it. And I love hearing about it from Jenny. Number five, the more heart-to-heart connections you have, the greater your ability to adapt to change and be flexible. I don't know why this is true, but I just feel that it is. I feel like there's something about this that if you, the more love that you're generating in your life, the more you're just going to be okay with accepting change because love eases a lot of pain. Number six, what kind of love do you find hard to receive? Is there a type that you can't receive? Identify it. And if you can identify it, can you start to receive it? Or can you find the gift in that type of love? We haven't talked about the love languages yet, but this kind of starts us down that path. We'll probably get into it in the future. Number seven, opening up about your heart's experience, the uniqueness of it or something that you feel like you can't share. When you do that, it's called being vulnerable and it actually allows like at least 10 other people to raise their hand because they've had the same experience as you. It not only validifies you, but it helps bring other people up. Do it. Number eight, are you holding on to your heart too dearly? Is your center of gravity, are you always trying to keep it inside you? Are you not letting it go out into the world? And if so, why? Could your own sense of holding on to your heart be the very thing that is keeping you from more love? Number nine, therapy. Therapy is a thing and it helps. It's almost like a heart doctor. You should not feel shame about going to therapy or getting help in any way. And if you are hanging out with someone who who thinks that or you're dating someone who thinks that, get them out of your life because they are not helping you or have a conversation with them. I know I dated a guy who really challenged my idea of therapy and my own resistance to it within myself. And it, it opened up a lot for me. And actually it really turned me on because he, his commitment to his own therapy and own self betterment was very attractive. Go to therapy. It's hot. It's a good look. Number 10, respect is not earned. It is a quality that you give to others. Don't ever wait around to earn respect. Just start giving it. Respect is definitely a form of love. Number 11. It's okay to expect support from your partner and for your partner to expect support from you. Hey, it's okay. Number 12. Transactional relationships can be a really healthy way to manage balance in your life. Not all relationships need to be all in. And actually, for some relationships to be all in, we need to have relationships in other sectors of our lives, whether they be intimate, personal, social, or professional, where we kind of have a a more transactional, contractual arrangement so that it allows us to just be in that relationship in, in a certain way so that we can put our attention where we really want it. That is all we've got today. I hope that you got a lot out of Jenny. Uh, She's going to have to come back on the show. One thing that I think I really love about Jenny that I want to share with you is that if you notice, she mentions every single other episode, uh, which is really cool. If you haven't listened to all the other episodes, go ahead, take the time when you have time to do it. Um, But I think it's interesting 
to like look at it as almost like a landscape of heart experience that we're building here that you could tap into Anita, you could tap into Riss, you could tap into my mom or Jenny and see an experience of their heart and reference it to your own. I think that that's so cool. Beyond that, if you want to stay connected, you can always uh, link up to our Facebook uh, group. Uh, it's a hard work podcast or reach out to our website at hardworkmovement.com. Sign up for the email list or just email me, call me. I'll get you on the email list. The best thing that you can do though is to share this with a friend. Share it, share it, share it, share it. Tell people about it. Talk about it. Kiki about it. Send them a text. Send them an email. Get the word out any way you can spread the good. The good word is good. Um, I hope your heart is well in this time. And if it's not, I hope you're doing something to love yourself or reaching out to someone who can give you that love. From my heart to your heart, I'm sending you tons of loves and do what you can, if you can, to spread a little love in the world. I'll see you next week. Have a good one.